the book of Luke, ninth chapter. We're going to be dealing with uh, verses uh, 51 through 56. Now, I want you to hold your places there. certainly want to thank God for His wonderful work and power. Amen. And wonderful it is Amen. to know that we've got a God so great as our God. One that cares about us. Loves us. And these ladies up in here were uh, fanning the day. No fan. Uh, praise the Lord. I want to thank God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Blessed Father, our God, thank you. Yes. I want to give you praise, Lord. Yes. For your blessings. Okay. Okay. I want to give you praise for the help that you've given us. Okay. I want to give you praise for the life that you've given us. For the salvation that you've given us, Father. I just want to give you praise. Yes. I want to honor you, Lord, this morning as I lift up the team before you. Father, I thank you that we would see fit to come together as a team to do your holy will. God, I thank you. And I bless you in the name of Jesus. And I glorify your name as you sit upon high. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. I want to talk about arise, let us go hence to the city of peace known as Jerusalem. Book of John 14, verse 27. Hold your places where you are. You don't have to go there, but if you want to, you can. John 14, 27. I think it reads something like, Peace I given to you. Not as the world giveth, but I give unto you. Therefore, let not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. I want to talk about the peace that Jesus has left with us. It is the peace that surpasses all understanding. You know, church, this morning, this lot of people, not only in the world, that's one thing, but it's a lot of people right now in church, right at this hour, right now, that have no peace whatsoever. And I can see in the spirit realm these men and the women of God trying to deliver the word to these people and they're so bound up, so confused, chaos is so infiltrated their lives until they're not able to receive that peace that surpasses all understanding. You know, you can do all the church events and tactics that you want to. But church, I'm telling you, if you don't have a real thing in God, Amen. the peace of God, it's not going to do you no good. And that's what's happening over and over and over again. Is that we're in a cycle of going nowhere as a body of Christ. We are, we, we, we're in a cycle. Now when I talk about the body of Christ, I'm talking about God's body. Everywhere. They're in a cycle. 
and they're going nowhere. But you know what God wants us to do is come out of the cycle and get into the spiral. You catch the difference? There's a difference. And until we catch the spiral, we're just going to be in the cycle. Some people call it stir crazy. You know, a dog chases tail, he'll get dizzy once. And then he'll flop over because he's dizzy. You know what dizziness do to you, dog? You ever been dizzy? Make you kind of drunk, dog. Yeah. I see what Jesus got to say about it. Look at this verse 56. Because, you, you, you know, we got to understand how to get this peace. See, 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 devil robbing too many of us. Hurting us. We got to see how to get this peace. In order to get this peace, there are some things that we got to understand. The first thing that we've got to understand is in verse 56. Are we there? Luke 9, 56. It said, for the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. See, that's rule number one, is to know that Jesus did not come to destroy us. He's our friend. He came to help us, to build us up. So the world, when we say Jesus, they act as though Jesus is an enemy. And this is what I don't understand. It's why does it appear to people when we speak the name of Jesus that we feel like that, that's an enemy. You can't speak that. You can't speak that in the workplace. You can't speak that. No, speak that behind the church wall. We don't want it out here. No, you got it all wrong. Jesus, this word says, for the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. But John 10, 10 says, the thief, but the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, but I come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. Now here's where the church is fooled again. That word abundant life. They take this word abundant life and they go zappo with it. They go, they take a spiritual God and they go physical, material. That's what they do. So they take the high Yank it down so they think. To bring it into the low. Abundant life. Jesus said, I come to give you life. Because mm-hmm. in him was life, and that life was the light of men. But not only that, but I'm going to give you life more abundantly. So they'll tell you that he's talking about material things. They'll do that. Because that's that counterfeit doctrine that's out there. But did you not know that Jesus never was concerned about what kind of car you drove, what kind of clothes you wear, what kind of house you lived in? He he never was concerned about that. He was all, he came because he was concerned about man's lost soul. See, we done got so far away. I'm going to prove in this word what I'm saying here. I'm going to do that. I'm going to break that mentality of Santa Claus for Jesus. By the word. Because I'm sick of it. I don't know about nobody else. Yeah, I'm sick of it. The reason I'm sick of it because the word specifically states in Matthew 6.33 that if you seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, all these other things will be added unto you. So if we do what we're supposed to do with God in his word, then why we got to fake it? 
So he talks about this thing called abundant life. And the church world is telling us that it's a material thing. That's right. But I'm going to prove it in the Word of God in Luke 12, 15. I want you to go there and see for yourself. The Bible says, beware of covetedness, greed, wokeness, mess. Beware of that, it said. Oh, we're going to break this thing. Open. O-P-E-N. Luke 12, 15. Talking about abundant life. The Bible says, beware of your greed, your covetedness. For a man's life, am I in the right place? It does not consist of the, what's that word? Abundance. Of things that he put. Oh my God! Somebody done told a lie. That's why they got the mega churches now, cause the mega churches done fool the people to tell them what they want, but ain't no change in their life. And they can go in and they can hide, cause the word when the word hit them, they can hide. Because there's so many of them up in there that live in the same way. A man's life, Jesus said, does not consist of the abundance. I'm talking about abundant life. <coughs> does not consist of the abundance of things that he possessed. But Jesus said, I come to give you life. And to give it to you more abundantly. He's talking about a spiritual life. Because he knew that if he could impute a spiritual life in us more abundantly, then everything else will pull over. Mm -hmm. And guess what? In that abundant life, it would take away a lot of this other stuff that we call abundant life. That we've been lied to. See, everybody want to hear that old lie now. They don't want to hear the truth. They don't sit under the truth long. Because the truth don't tell them what they want to hear. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. I'm going to preach it whether you like it or not. Marry me. Because we need to know the truth. We need to know the truth. And the only way that the truth is going to come forth is that we show it to you in the Word of God. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's life, but to save them. John 3.17 said that God did not send His Son into the world to condemn it, but through Him the world might be saved. He said, for the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And after he said that, look what they did. And they went to another village. Another village is the same as another town, is the same as another city, and we all know that it means another encounter. So what God is telling us, here's Jesus. He has his eyes set on Jerusalem, the city of peace. But before you can get to that city of peace, you've got to go through many toils, many dangers. You know, have I already come? You've got to go through that. You've got to go through many snares too because you say, let's go to another village. And they went to another village. In other words, before you get to the city of peace, you've got to go through many dangers, many snares, many toils, much sometimes happy encounters, sometimes sad encounters, sometimes good encounters, sometimes bad encounters, but he kept his eyes steadfast on where he was trying to get to. And see, that's another problem with the church. That's another one of our problems. We take our eyes off Jesus and start watching everything else and then everything else start looking good and we start pumping up everything else. That's so silly. That is real silly, church. Don't ever discount the God in you. Amen. 
Ain't nothing better than the God in you. Do you understand what I said, church? Peter was doing good until he took his eyes off Jesus. That means he started watching something else. And when you start watching something else, sister, you will mess up. Take your eyes and put your eyes back on what God put in you and perfect it. Perfect what God got in you. Do your work with what God got in you. Let the spirit of excellence rise in you. And you will see that ain't nobody got it like I got it. Because I got my own personal anointing. And that's what I'm nurturing. That's what I'm perfecting. And you won't be worried about what somebody else can do or what somebody else can't do. You'll just perfect what's yours. Do your job. The Bible says, make your election and your calling sure. Not somebody else's. Make yours. You know, I told y'all last week, the Word of God said that Asaph said, my feet were almost gone. My steps were nailed and I slipped. Because I was looking at the prosperity of everybody else, he said. And I didn't realize what my problem was or how dangerous I was about to slip up until I went into the house of the Lord. I went into the sanctuary and the word of God straightened me from my insanity. That's why it's so important to be under the word where the word can keep you focused in on what you got to do, how you need to do it, when you need to do it, and where you need to do it. So they went to another village because on this city and going into this city there are going to be many things in this life that we're going to have to encounter we got to stay focused y'all you've got to stay focused when your boss man want to act a fool you've got to stay focused when the people that you're around want to act a fool you've got to stay focused. His eyes were steadfast on what he was trying to get to. That's up here, verse 51. And before we go there, I want you to read John 14, verse 31. John 14, verse 31. Walk this. The Bible says that. Now here he is now. He's, he's about, his eyes are fixed on Jerusalem. He had been through all kinds of stuff. Now the Bible tells us that everything that we go through, and we've gone through, Jesus bore all our diseases and sicknesses and sins. Did he not? So the Lord revealed to me, okay, if Jesus, boy, hear me good, church, because this is a heck of a revelation here that God showed. He said, if Jesus bore it, then watch this. You know, when Jesus began his ministry, and Satan became and attacked him, and then he started going out in his ministry, and he started dealing with people that had demons in them, and palsy, and all of that, if he bore all of our diseases and sicknesses, that means that he had every bit of it. Amen. That God was showing us through him what we had in us and how to overcome it. If he bore it all, that meant that that man with the palsy was him. But he had the spoken word. Did y'all understand what I just said here? Here's a man walking with this thing the same like us. He, 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 he bore all of this stuff. The crippled hand. That's where the word intercessor comes from. The intercessor takes on the burdens 
and the sicknesses and the diseases and all of that of the other person that they're praying for. So, them demons, they were, if he born, he was carrying them. But as he was carrying them, he spoke them off him. The sicknesses, he bore, that's what he said, he bore all our sicknesses. But he would, so all this stuff was coming at the man and trying to infiltrate his soul. But he, that's power. That's power. For all the demons of hell to come at the Son of God like that, walking in the flesh. And you think that I'm going to waste my time of such a revelatory knowledge and preach that garbage? You think I'm going to do that when a man called Jesus has walked in such a powerful anointing to show me what I, I can do that's inside of me. And we run around here playing this garbage called church. I do it when I feel like it and all that kind of mess. That's mess! Yes. Mm -hmm. He said, but, verse 31, John 14, 31, but that the world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise and let us go hence. His eyes were focused on Jerusalem to die. And don't you ever let a preacher tell you that Jesus didn't struggle to do that. But because he was commanded to die. He wasn't asked by the Father. He was, the Bible says, he was commanded. He was told to do it. Commanded. Oh, you know he stepped up and he said, I'll do it, I'll do it. The hell he did. Father, you can take this cup from me, please. Take this away from me. Tell me no lies up in here. You hear that garbage? He did the same thing me and you would have done, but he cast it off. Same thing. Say with me, not this word. Too deep in this word to hear some foolishness now. Too deep in it to hear foolishness. They ain't no here. Why well, the devil want to kill me? The Bible says in Luke 9, 51, speaking in reference to the command, let us arise and go here. It's, and it came to pass, and it will. When the time was come, huh, that he should be received up. He steadfastly set his face to go where? To Jerusalem. Steadfastly set his face. Through many dangers, toils, and snares have already come. Say, yes. when the time was come that he should be received up. Acts 17, 26 says that by one blood has God made all the nations of men in the earth. By one blood. 17, 26. And he's given them an appointed time. Bible said here, when it was time for him to be received. Everybody got an appointed time. There's an appointed time to live and there's an appointed time to die. Everybody has an appointed time. The word of God said that and he has given us boundaries for our habitation. That means that we got a limit to what we can do and where we can go and how we can do it before God step in and stop 
Mm-hmm. Before God step in, I think about Mr. Butler quite often. I had a prophet came his way. Talk to him. Steadfast. It's an appointed time. When the course is ran and the appointed time is up, the Bible says there's a time to live. Time to be born and a time to die. Time's up. And he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Because Acts 14.22 tells us to comfort one another with this step to the fact that through much suffering, confirming the souls of the saints, through much suffering, through much tribulation, do we enter into the kingdom of God. And they went to another village. Verse 52 says, And he sent, Jesus did now, he sent messengers before his face, which is before his appearance. Do you not know that God already has our number? And before we get to anywhere, God has already sent a messenger up front to that place. Now, here's the thing. Just don't you watch this. He sent messengers before his face. Uh-huh. And they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans, which are the watchers, because Samaria means watch mountain or watch tower. Somebody watching us. <laughs> I say somebody watching us. Well, don't you think you hide? Because somebody watching us. Every step of the way. Bible says that he entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. But notice what they did. Verse 53. They didn't receive him. Why didn't they receive him? Because his faith was as it was to go where? Towards peace. You ever been somewhere? And everybody know you ain't supposed to be there except you and your crazy self. Heaven, you the last one to know that you ain't in the right place. Everybody else see it. What you doing down here? You don't belong down here. Even the devil will tell you, you don't belong down here. You need to go home. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. Amen. Even the devil, you know, it's something the devil tells you, you need to go home, fool. Because you don't belong down here. <laughs> Somebody tell me, get me. Because I done parachuted over the jungle. Ain't got no way out. I was on a plane, and I'm going to jump out in, in a parachute in the jungle, man. Good God Almighty. What you doing down here? You ain't even worth eating. You just going back where you go. I'd be glad when you get out of here. Because we tired of seeing you. That's bad when the yeah, you messing up the party. It's bad when the devil don't even want to see you. But when Jesus, when he came, the first thing that the Samaritans did was to watch it. They said, wait a minute, your face ain't set here, but your face is set on something higher. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding and God's our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, see, this man had something that he was walking with and it could be seen. And it wasn't a normal. It wasn't like everybody else had. This man had something on his mind. He had places to go and things to do. And it all wasn't good 
but he was going to do it anyway. Because it wasn't his will, but it was God's will. See, that's, that, that's what we mess up at. That's, that's our problem right there. We try to mix our will in with God's will. It ain't going to work. Don't work. It ain't going to work. It's going to mess up. It's going to short circuit. Verse 54 says, And when his disciples, James and John, which is the will and the grace, saw this, they said, Lord, will thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? See, they wanted to take them out. See, folk get mad sometimes when things ain't done the way they want it done. We all do that. Amen. And if we're not in the right spirit, then what we'll do is, is we'll take and we will allow that spirit of John and James, and we'll want to call down fire on something. Yeah, we want to judge something. But why would Jesus help? Jesus said, but he turned and rebuked them and said, ye know not what manner of spirit that you are of. You know, when you crave, that's, a, that, that's, another, that's just a, I just condensed it. You crazy. He put a little cut on it there, but I just tell it, you crazy. Gonna bring down fire and bring it on yourself. Because that's what's going to happen. Because the, 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 the very meat that you judge by, you just come right back. Same thing. So we, me and my wife this morning, God gave me a revelation. We're sitting there in the bed and I'm talking to her and I get a revelation. You know, and I say, well, you know, the flesh is the spirit too. And pride is the thing that gives it its strength to cause it to go up against the Spirit of God. Because only Spirit can go up against Spirit. See, we always look at the flesh as being me. No. <coughs> flesh is the Spirit that feeds the meat. That's right. But it's the Spirit. And pride is what gives it its strength. That's what it does. That's what it does. That's why when you battle, a person battles between doing what's right and doing what's wrong. Because when you're in that mode to do what you want to do, that's that spirit of flesh with pride rising up. And it don't feel too good to do what's right. But if you choose to stand, that's what Paul was saying, stand, even when you can't stand no more, still stand. If you choose to do that, then eventually that feeling will go away. That's why we can't go by our feelings. Because they'll hurt us. Yes, they will. They'll hurt us. We got to keep that under check. We got to realize that when we're dealing in our feelings, that means that pride done took over. And it's messing with us. And what we have to do is, if we stand and starve that thing long enough, we'll be able to make that right decision and, it be, and, and, and that thing there dissipate. And that feeling that we get in the flesh, when we don't have our way, it'll leave. We'll, you know, we'll calm down. And that's why spouses... Talk to spouse, me and anyway. That's why when people are fighting this thing, you got to trust the God in it. Don't you get in it, because you'll mess up something. You put your hand on something, trying to correct something, and mess up something. You got to understand when a person is already having sandpaper rub up against their soul, trying to get things corrected. You don't need to put your two cents in. You just need to shut up. Amen. Shut up. Amen. See, the problem with spouses is that 
They don't read each other. They think they can just walk in on them. That's my husband, that's my wife, and they think they can just walk in up on them without knocking. But it don't make no difference. Spouse or no spouse, that's an individual. You're an individual. And you have a space. There's still a space that belongs to you. And you just don't be walking up inside of me when you want to because you think you might spot. So I'm going to straighten you. You don't do that. So you have to read a person to see if it's alright to come in. Because they might be in a fight in that room they're in right now. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Amen. And you don't want to go up in there because you're going to get a black eye too. So stay up out of there till it's over with. You say, can I come in now? Dude, am I making any kind of sense up in here this morning? Say amen, Christ. Jesus Christ. I'm just trying to make us all better. All of us tore up from the floor up, but but God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So verse 57 says, and it came to pass. Now, now, now after Jesus told them like what spirit they were in, then Jesus began to teach. He began to teach the disciples. Because he saw right there that, hey, these guys need some teaching. So he began to teach them here in verse 57. And it came to pass that as they went in the what? Way. Who is the way? Amen. Huh? Proverbs 10, 6, John. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father except by who? Me. So as they went along in the way, a certain man, certain that means it could have been any of us. Here's what he did. Certain man said to him, Lord, I will follow thee wheresoever thou goest. Liar, liar. You tend to lie. How many, how many of us tell them lies like that? Now come on. Amen. Come on, come on, be honest. Amen. Oh, self-righteous. I ain't even gonna look. Amen. Lord, I ain't gonna look. I'm just gonna raise my hand. I ain't gonna ask nobody. If I don't want nobody to tell you a lie this morning. Somebody watching us. But I, yeah, somebody watching us. So I'm just gonna turn my back because I don't want to see that lie. I don't want to see it. But I know for a fact that we are notorious at saying, I'll follow thee whatsoever thou wilt. But Luke 14, 28 says, what man has gone to build a tower and hadn't counted the cup? See, before you tell Jesus something, that's why he said, don't make no rash vows with your mouth. Before you go to do anything, you need to ask yourself, am I willing to pay the price? Am I willing to pay the cost to be the boss? Yes. You know why? Because if you don't ask yourself and you get strung out there and you done bit off more than you can chew, you're going to look like a fool. That's right. You're going to do a sloppy job. Yes. Church, don't never do nothing unless you're going to put all, look, if you're doing it for the Lord, the Bible says everything you do, do it as unto the Lord. Yeah. Do it with the spirit of excellence. And if you can't do it with the spirit of excellence, don't do it. Just leave it. Don't do it. It ain't time yet. Amen. Am I making myself clear, church? Amen. This is our house of destiny, do Okay? We do things perfect. That's what we do now. That's what we do. Because every time we out there, I don't care where we are, we're on display. Amen. For Jesus. Every opportunity that we have, regardless of where we go, is an opportunity to minister. That's right. You understand me? That's right. And if you're not willing to put in the proper time that it takes to do the ministry, then don't do it until you're ready. Make sense? Amen. 
Do it make sense, church? Amen. Okay. Now look at this word. This old boy said, I'll follow you wherever you go, Lord. He looked at him and said, Look at him. Foxes have holes. Birds of the air, fowls of the air, they got nests. But the son of man, I'm homeless. I'm homeless. I ain't got nowhere to. If don't nobody let me stay in their house overnight, then I'm going to stay out there with the wolves. Oh, you, you say you'll follow me? Well, uh, are you saying you'll follow me sleeping in the middle of wolves? Is that what you're saying to me? So, so Jesus, what Jesus did was, he threw it back at us. Are you really ready to follow Jesus? You, you ask yourself that quick. I didn't hear not one amen. And, yeah, and that's good. You know why? Because amen means that you agree with it and you did right. Because I could hear heaven ears open. They wait on y'all. And boy, I'm a cat dog with a secret cup. If in the club, boy, I said I was praying inside of myself, Lord, please don't let them say amen on this one. Please don't. And he muted them mind. Because them attack dogs was ready to be released. See, I see in heaven, I know what I be trying to tell y'all. You, you might think I don't know. I'm telling you them things will figure. And by the time next week would have been out, something would have hit you. Test time. Test time. that head up. Oh. Where it come from? Thank you, happy britches, y'all. Yeah. Jesus. Mm hmm. But the Bible says in verse 59 that another one came. See? Oh, boy, they just keep coming, don't they? Say, follow me. But he said, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, what you got to understand is when Jesus comes through and say, follow me, you ain't got time to do no negotiate. You got to be ready. I'm going to come to church. Well, won't you come Sunday? Well, I got to do something Sunday. You know, you done ran up on that before. You call it bluff. You done ran up on it before. That's all Jesus did that day. He said, follow me. Oh, boy, the first thing I know about Well, uh, he said, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. If the dead, your father already dead, he wasn't saved, so he dead. And those that still there, they dead too because they don't know Jesus. So let them bury the dead. Let the dead bury the dead. But you, you go preach the kingdom of God. He didn't go say preach church. He said, well, you go preach the kingdom of God. In other words, you go and you tell people what's inside of them because the kingdom of God is what is inside you. So that's what we're obligated to do. That's right. The kingdom of God is inside of us. So all we are supposed to do is to preach to people and reveal to people what's inside of them. Ain't nothing hard about this. But we bring in all this other stuff called church and just mess up everything. Just her, just mess it up. Just mess it up. When he gave us simple instructions. And then here comes another one in verse. I'm just about finished. I'm, I'm, I'm closing here in a minute. And another one also said, see that's the third one, because Lord, I will follow thee. But let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home in my house. See what John 444 said. John 444. Now, he's saying, now, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. 
But first I need you to let me go and speak to my people and let them know what I'm going to do. Now they ain't saying. They ain't saying. So here you're going over there with your sage and sanctified self. You've been saved five seconds. I'm saved and I'm going to preach the gospel. Now you've been living like hell. And they living like hell. And they know you because they're familiar spirits. And you think they're going to honor you? Do you really think that they're going to honor you? What did Jesus say? A prophet has no honor in his own country, town, home. Same thing. He let him know, man, they're not going to be... The man in hell lifted up his eyes and saw Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham. He said, now just dip some water and put it on the tongue. It sent somebody to go and tell my folk about this situation. He said, man, look here. I done said all them prophets and everything and they didn't listen. So ain't no need to be sending Lazarus who's already done crossed over and ain't no need to be sending nobody else because if they didn't listen then they ain't gonna listen now. And furthermore, we can't cross this great chasm here. That's a great gulf here. Let me tell you something, church. If we on that wrong side, ain't no crossing over. Did you hear what I said? Amen. I'm gonna tell y'all biblically where hell is one day when I think you're ready for it. I'm gonna escape. But it's in the book. It tells you exactly where it is. But I give you a hint. Wherever you screwed up at, that's where you gonna burn. Hello. That's all I got to say. But one of these days I'll show you in the Word. Where it's just a clear day. Oh, he's clear about it. He's clear about it. Oh, I want to tell him so bad. <laughs> anyway, he said that a prophet don't handle on him. In his own town, country. In verse 62 of Luke 9, and I'm closing. Jesus said unto him, Luke 9, 62, that no man having put his hand to fly. Huh? And looking back, he is fit for the kingdom of God. A lot of us don't take heed to that. You see, when you put your hand to the plow and look back, you do the same thing that Lot's wife did in Genesis uh, 19, verse 26. She looked back and became a pillar of salt. Why? Because instead of her going into the ministry, which is the instruction, that God had told him to go to that mountain. While she was gone, she looked back. And she was turned into a pillar of salt. I published a book one time called The Jungle Within, where the man, he's going through the jungle. That's this life we're in. And he finally finds God, and he's looking up and going that way toward God. But inside him, if you look, there are two eyes right here looking back. And you can see, and when you look at that thing, you can see them two eyes looking back at the world, doing the lot's wife kind of thing. And it depicts the fact that as we walk this way, the pull of the world is still trying to get us. We're always having to fight against our eyes looking back. And our spirit trying to pull us back. So Lot's wife, she looks back and she's turned into a pillar of salt. Why a pillar of salt? Well, Matthew 5 and 13 tells us that we're the salt of the earth. 
So, that pillar is an up and down structure. And man is a mobile pillar of salt. He's mobile. But what happened was, when we started getting pulled back into what we came out of, it freezes us. It immobilizes us. And instead of us moving forward anymore, we become stuck like Chuck in a pillow of salt. Because we're looking back. Now our future is put on hold because our present has immobilized us or paralyzed us. And we're not able to move anymore because now we're locked in. And where we were going forward and doing good, now we're stuck. And what happens is when we're stuck is now we are so screwed up inside until all we can do now is watch the cars go by and watch somebody else fulfill their mission. When all we had to do was run with the pack. Run with the pack. And as long as the pack is going forward, you go forward with it. Do your job. Don't get immobilized. Don't let the devil do that to you. Steal you of your identity to the point where you got to start looking at what somebody, they got a nice house over there. Amen. I went to Atlanta a couple weeks ago. I got a friend that was going over, a sergeant major, he retired. He do contract work now. He overseas for 30 days and he's going to come back because he do this contract stuff with the government. And he's got this very big fine house. And he done moved this woman up in there mm-hmm. that he ain't married to. Mm-hmm. And that's bad business. That's just straight up. Ain't, no, ain't nothing good gonna come out of that mm-hmm. if you're living like that. Ain't nothing good gonna come out of that. So, he got this fine, big, big nice mansion type house, yeah? But he lives And I'm talking to him, and I'm counseling brother man, I'm saying, man, look, this is where it got to be. I said, now, ain't no need in you marrying that. And I told him right there in front of both of them, I'm sitting down, down, you sitting at the table, and I said, this is how it is. I said, ain't no need in, if y'all ain't got it right here, well, you gonna get married thinking you gonna get it right. No, you ain't, if y'all crazy with each other now, oh boy. Just wait till you get married if y'all crazy now with each other. So I'm trying to save both of them life, right? I'm trying to. By telling them the truth. And he knows the truth. And she knows it is too. You know? But sometimes our wants. Sometimes our wants. Sometimes the things we ask for become a burden on our life. That's why we have to be careful what we ask for. You know? Because for four years, it was all good. Then he moved that in. Big mistake. Big mistake. So what I'm saying is this. If y'all married, God bless your soul. Make it work. It's your it's job. But if you're not married, then praise God. How blessed you really are. Because now you can facilitate yourself to God and God alone. It ain't nothing better than that. But if you are single, and you're thinking about getting married, or one day you'd like to get married again. Make sure you pray 
And let God be the one to bring your spouse to you because God is still in the business of bringing the woman to the man. It never changed. Now you can go on e-harmony <laughs> or de-harmony. You can go on matchmaker. You can go on any of that. Because some people get desperate like that and they do that. No, I'm just being honest. You can do any of that you want to. But just say what? Say it loud. Say I want you. I want to hear. Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Chucky. 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 Where'd you meet Chucky at? I met him on eHarmony. Yeah. eHarmony.com. No, ain't no taking back. When Chucky comes, Chucky don't leave. You leave, but Chucky don't. Because Chucky's going to take you out. Now that's, that's the way Chucky plays. So all I'm saying is, church, if you're blessed, and you are, then we need to know we're blessed. Because the Lord loves us, and the Lord will keep us, and the Lord will guide us, and the Lord will sanctimoniously continue to guide us, and keep us, and show us the way that we need to go. And I'm saying this, and I'm closing. Don't take no wooden nothing. Let's all pull together. Let's love each other. And I'm serious about the spouses now. Take what we got. And I'm serious about the ones that are single. It ain't no hey, It ain't no shame either way. It's simply what you do with it. It's what you do with that. that that's what that's what that thing boils down to. And that's why, you know, people are about, well, you mean this kind of thing going and we need that kind of thing going. And you know how they do in them churches. They got all kind of stuff for people to go and do, what's that, promiscuous things? You know, it's a ploy. But I don't care what kind of ministry you got, single ministry, women ministry, don't make no difference to me what kind of ministry it is. It ought to be Bible. If you call it ministry. It ought to be Bible. It ought not be some old book somebody done wrote trying to tell you the 12 steps to have a good relationship. Y'all know them old books. Everybody got an answer for something. Oh, yeah. Just, just follow these steps and... You'll have a blessed marriage, the best marriage in life, when all you got to do is look at the Word of God and see what God got to say about marriage. That's all you got to do. And that is, why submit yourself to your husband as unto the Lord, and husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave his life for the church. The bigger burden is on the man. Because Christ died for the church. Now, it looks to me like it's a harder job to die for the woman than for the woman to submit. Which one would you rather do, woman? Would you rather submit or would you rather die if it came to it? That's what I figured. That's what I figured. So either way you look at it, he put that thing back on the man. He put it back on the man. But the man got to be connected with God. Because you can't ask somebody to follow you if you're crazy. See, that woman got to see God in you. She got to she gotta know that you're being led by something. You talking about leading her? She got to know what's leading you. If you lead, yeah, you leading me. What's leading you? And then when you can prove what's leading you through your walk, then she'll fall right in. Because she's in good hands. She ain't crazy. She knows. She knows. So a lot of times people try to take that scripture, so wives submit yourself, or crazy man, he'll try to use that in a wrong way. That ain't what the scriptures say. There's an order. There's an order to it.
And anytime we're out of the order, then we just simply out of order. Y'all give God some praise. Man. Come around, please. Well, that's what Dick is to come and walk with my office.